Rational discussion, common sense, open debate. RCR, Reality Check Radio with Paul Brennan. I want to welcome someone to our radio station, to Reality Check Radio, who has had a life in media, I think it's fair to say, going right back to when he attended the Vancouver Film School, eventually moving into the television industry and worked on shows like Dr. Phil. We know Dr. Phil. We know of it. It's been here. And also uh, the part of the production team. In fact, he produced 30 episodes of the medical talk show, The Doctors, and then has gone on to produce 2016, a movie uh, for Andrew Wakefield called Vaxxed from cover up to catastrophe. And he is the man who is the Highwire at highwire.com, Del Bigtree. Welcome to Reality Check Radio. Del, thank you for making time for a chat with us. Hey, thank you for inviting me, man. You're bold. You know how many people get shut down after interviewing me? So good luck. <laughs> well, I think we've taken all the hits already, but hey, thanks for the warning. Okay, so that is a life in media. Um, right from what, leaving that film school, yeah. you, you've been immersed in it and, and kind of, I would imagine, sort of like myself, I'm not trying to create an equivalence because I've been in it for 42 years now. You, you've seen it all, right? Is that how it feels? Yeah. I mean, look, I love media. I have since I was a child. I studied it and I am one of those lucky people that was able to make a career out of it. As you've pointed out, producer ultimately on the Dr. Phil show, and then they created the internet talks of the doctors and I was a part of that. So, um, you know, and then I've gone on to, you know, make the documentary, as you said, and now I produce really uh, at the television level talk show of my own called The High Wire. And so all of that's because I, you know, if, once you go to film school, I know how to do the audio. I know how to do the cameras. I know how to do the lighting. And then, you know, you do it all yourself until you can afford to get other people to do it for you. And luckily now I can say that I have a really great team around me. So it's been it's been a great ride. Um, I would, you know, I'm, I'm a fan of journalism, a fan of investigations. And um, look, I think I find myself in, in inside of and in the middle of one of the most important investigations in our lifetime, if not uh, in the in the sort of course of humanity. We are in some really uh, desperate times now and with, you know, very important discussions that need to be happening and are being censored in media in America and around the world, but it's really shocking when it's happening in America, when you're watching actual censorship, given that I think we have one of the strongest constitutions uh, in the world when it comes to our right to free speech, and that is being um, blown into tatters at the moment. Well, we don't, and it's being blown into more tatters, so I think you might be doing slightly better than us. Oh, by the way, I should mention that I can finally travel to your country as of today. Uh, the, That's, uh, uh, we, we, we think we have a, a little bit to do with that. I, we were bringing a lawsuit as we have. I, I was telling you before we started, my nonprofit um, has sued the government many, many times. We've won against the CDC, Health and Human Services, National Institutes of Health, FDA. Uh, we've been winning lawsuits around this vaccine issue. We stopped the law in Washington, D.C. that tried to say that children could uh, decide to get the vaccine without parental consent. We went in, fought that, and won. We just, um, in America, many of our states, there's 50 states, about seven of them, I think it is, have taken away our right to opt out of the vaccine program. Well, you know, so we uh, in Mississippi just last, uh, just about two weeks ago now, we won back the right to the religious exemption in Mississippi. Uh, They haven't had that ability to exempt out of the vaccine program in order to go to school since 1979. So we're wreaking havoc here in America with a very powerful legal team. And we brought a lawsuit against the Biden administration um, that it was illegal to not be allowing, um, you know, international uh, entities to come to the country without the COVID vaccine, especially when we're declaring that the, the pandemic is over. And, you know, could just be coincidence, but literally the last day the federal government had to answer our um, uh, uh, you know, case against them and bring their papers to court. Instead, they decided to open up uh, the borders of America. We're very happy about that. And if our, if our pressure on them uh, had something to do with that, um, of course, we're even more ecstatic. And uh, so, you know, we're here, we're fighting, and it does show what court systems and, and, a, and a decent constitution can do. We are seeing some movement in uh, having a lot of success now with things moving in our direction. But it's a hell of a fight by the sounds of things. 
one epic fight, about as epic as what has happened to us. I want to ask you a few questions about why you think, well, first of all, they hung on so long to stop me and others like me going into yeah. your country. But um, you shouldn't have to fight that hard, or should you sometimes? I guess it depends. You know, I, you're right. We shouldn't have to fight that hard to decide whether or not we want a product injected into our bodies. That This should be without question that I have control over my own body. If I do not, then we are not human beings. We are farm animals. We are, we are being reduced to the same, I would say, rights as farm animals. If the government can inject you with products that you cannot control or inject your children, then you are property. You are nothing more. So forget about looking at slavery in some sort of past tense. Uh, it is currently happening in many ways, and it's across the world, these world leaders. I was really happy to see Jacinda Ardern uh, bite the dust there after you know, ruling over New Zealand and what, from my perspective, looked like authoritarianism. Um, I don't know why she actually lost her job, but we like to think that that, that you guys uh, stood up for your freedom uh, a little bit there and didn't like how it was handled. But look, uh, throughout time, throughout history, um, wars are fought uh, to, to regain uh, the establishment of freedom for whatever people feel like they're being oppressed. And this is one of those moments where I think makes this moment so spectacular uh, and especially reflecting on the COVID pandemic, is almost every world war that I know of was really one nation or a continent fighting against another nation or a continent. This is really the first time that I believe a, wa a, a war was waged by all of the leaders of the world against the citizens of the world. And I believe the citizens have stood up and said, you know, enough is enough. We are not going to take this. There's been huge resistance a huge growth um, and, 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 uh, uh, in, in the amount of people waking up to the idea that my government is much more corrupt than I realized. It is much more influenced by industrial powers like pharmaceutical, like oil and gas than I had ever dreamed. And also our media is corrupted uh, by government controls and by corporate powers. And so we really are starting to recognize that we're, I think, in an end game, if you will, of a moment where we are either going to seize and grab hold of our liberty and our freedom now or kiss it goodbye forever. Because if we let these, these powers and these industries and interests govern our lives with the use of the AI technologies and you know, wielding things like climate change against us so that they can take away our cars, take away what food we eat, track everything that we do, then, um, you know, I think everything that we believed was a spectacular about being a part of the human species, just as I said, we will be reduced to cattle. And there's, there's plenty of... Um, dystopian novels that I think we were all reading a second and third time now with a, a totally different pair of eyes. <laughs> Yet, you're not wrong there. Yet, they, they obviously thought they, whoever they is, that group of governments or the, the uh, merging of, of business, corporations and governments, they obviously thought they could get this over the line. Yes. Yeah, right? it's really quite spectacular to look at what they thought they could get away with. And, you know, and, and, and we can get into all the details of that, but this idea that you could forcibly inject everyone in the world with a product that had never been injected into human beings before. And I don't know how much your audience is aware of this, but this was like no other vaccine. This was derived from a gene therapy um, scientific principle uh, the mRNA technology in many ways or DNA technologies, depending on what vaccine you're looking at, uh, really had almost no clinical trials, certainly didn't have, you know, the animal trials that had been moving up towards COVID were disastrous for 20 years. So we were standing on the back of really scary and bad science when they decided to warp speed, if you will, is how it was described here in America, through the trials. So no ability to know the long-term effects of this product. I mean, so risky, so horrifying. And now, you know, and I say now we know that this virus really was not that deadly uh, for the, the majority of this planet. The numbers coming out of the best, one of the best epidemiologists in the world, Johnny Anides from Stanford, 
Um, he declared about, you know, within the first year of COVID, it appeared that the death rate of COVID across all, you know, demographics was about 0.027 or 0.27%, a quarter of 1%. That has only been adjusted. He was only off by a little bit. Now looking at all the studies all around the world, 0.35% was the actual overall death rate of this virus um, taking in everything that took place. So when we think of what we were run through, the rights that were taken away, the destructions of our education systems for our children, the destructions of our jobs, certainly the, the, our own you know, body autonomy rights for a third of a 1% death rate. And by the way, that is well within the range of just a bad flu season. So no matter how you want to slice this, this was kabuki theater. This, this is a theatrical production waged, you know, against us by our leadership and really driven by a very small group of, of corrupted individuals, the WHO, the CDC, the FDA uh, in many ways. And, and the work that I do, I'm, I'm dedicated to seeing those people put in jail. I'm, I'm not going to arrest until they uh, stay in trial for the crimes against humanity that took place here. Um. Motive. You must have thought about that. I mean, here we talk about it all the time. Was it incompetence? Was it groupthink? You know, there's all these kind of, you know, easy to throw away explanations. But, yeah. but you know, just hearing you go through that, you have to wonder what a motive to launch something that's so risky and goes against obvious rights motive. Yeah. Okay. You know, I see. I mean, obviously, I ask this question every day of my life. No one has investigated at least this vaccine space more than I have. Um, and so let me speak to it from my knowledge of the vaccine investigations that I've done. Uh, there's probably more to it. I think you have several motives here. You have certainly money, the greed, the, the, the mass. I mean, we're talking billions, if not moving towards trillions of dollars in this idea of, of vaccine programs. So an industry, the pharmaceutical industry is the most powerful industry in the world. It's the most powerful lobby in Washington. In Washington, D.C., the pharmaceutical lobby outspends oil and gas two to one. So for every dollar, oil and gas buys politicians to fight wars in the Middle East to control you know, pipelines. Pharma has been spending twice that in America. I think if you looked around, you would see similar um, levels of investment in politics around the world. And, you have, and why? What are they investing? Well, certainly this vaccine program, they can line us up and just inject us with any product they want. We have no control for all the millions and billions of viruses and bacteria that are out there. They will and, you know, are on the verge of being untouchable, the most powerful industry in the world. So power and money have a huge part to do with it. But let's take it just down to vaccines. Because I was predicting there would be a pandemic before it ever happened. I was traveling the world from the investigations I was doing, and I was saying exactly that. I was saying to the audiences, stop thinking about vaccinations of children. This is where you're blinded. You think that pharma is the most powerful lobby in Washington because they want to just get that last little group of hippie kids you know, that aren't vaccinating, vaccinated. That is not what pays that, that giant investment. I was saying they're coming after you. Adults are not getting their vaccines. And nobody knows, except those of us that investigated, that the CDC has just as big and robust a vaccine schedule for adults as it's had for children. But they haven't been able to figure out how to force adults to get it. They know if they try to take our jobs away, like they take our schooling away. You know, we've all just accepted that we're being coerced into vaccination for our children. Well, I can't send them to school if I don't get this. But I was saying they're coming after you. And I believe the way they're going to do it is through a pandemic. They're going to have to scare us into the thought that we need to be vaccinated. Now, on the scientific level, the reason I believe they're doing that is because the vaccine program is actually failing worldwide. They had promised us back in the 1960s when the vaccine program started, especially with the MMR vaccine, polio and smallpox are a little bit, they, they come earlier. But the vaccine program really takes off with the MMR, the measles, mumps, rubella vaccine program in the 1960s, stopping measles. Well, the promise was that one vaccine would do the same thing that the natural infection would do, which was give you lifelong immunity and we'd be one and done and there you go. 
Well, that has never been achieved by a single vaccine. They've never been able to do what God or Mother Nature, however you have to hear it, you know, wherever you're coming from, we have never achieved what nature does, which is once I've been infected, I am immune for life. So now you have to take multiple vaccines. In, in America, the measles vaccine, MMR, is failing so much that you're already getting two as a child. There's a third one being um, added in college and two more as adults. Now, here's the problem. The return of these viruses is coming back. We are seeing these viruses raise their head, measles. Now, they want to blame it on the anti-vaxxers, but the truth is that the anti-vaxxers were really only like 2 to 3% of the, of the world, uh, or certainly in our country, that's about how many kids weren't vaccinating. The real problem is that the vaccine has worn off in adults. And so all the vaccines we got as children have worn off and so we're seeing really scary epidemics of measles and mutations in measles. We're seeing polio starting to sweep the third world and enter countries. It's now in New York. We're seeing polio in our water system being caused by the vaccine itself. It's called vaccine strain polio. All of these problems that are being caused by the vaccine program and its failure to have stopped the disease is now actually helping a new wave of diseases that are even more virulent than when they started. Think about uh, penicillin and all the antibiotics, how we've made these germs, these bacteria stronger. We've got these deadly, you know, antibacterial uh, resistant uh, bacteria. The same thing was happening with viruses, but no one's telling you the truth about it. And their only answer is to get everybody lined up to get more and more and more vaccines where they try to tr chase this train that they started. That, I believe, is one of the big motivations. There was a huge meeting um, in 2019, in December, think about this, by the World Health Organization, they met in Geneva, Switzerland, and the entire uh, um, uh, hundreds of scientists showing up, the entire program was based on how do we stop vaccine hesitancy? And I did a whole show on this. The cameras were rolling there, but they kept talking about how the vaccine program, that there weren't enough adults vaccinating. We were seeing returns of disease how do we get people to believe in vaccines and take them themselves, not just their children? And then lo and behold, they come out of that great think tank meeting. And two months later, we have a deadly, you know, cold sweeping the world. I mean, look, I don't I'm not a conspiracy theorist. I'm not jumping to conclusions. I'm just saying it is really uh, we should be questioning the timing of that. And so that's one of the reasons I could get into a bunch of other ones. But let's just stay to the altruistic part. Let's just say that science is just simply trying to fix the mistakes it's made with its vaccine program. That would be enough for them to say, hey, it's OK to go ahead and force this product on the world. I can see why then vaccine hesitancy was so jumped on just in hearing you say that, because that means every vaccine, doesn't it? Correct. And, and if people are, are hesitant on every vaccine, there goes the program potentially. Exactly. The entire, this is the, and a lot of people don't think about how really, when you think about the marketing of pharma, you know, vaccines, like why, well, what are, what's the big, we actually give more lenience to vaccines than we do any drug that's made. There, that when we, in my investigation, what we discovered is that not a single vaccine we've given our children has ever been through a proper double-blind randomized control trial. This is shocking. Every drug we take gets tested against a placebo group. One group gets the drug, the other one gets a placebo. We track them for five to 10 years. And then we ask certain questions like who had more cancer, who had diabetes, did anyone have their genes mutate? And that's how we decide something is safe, that if, this, if the placebo group, the one that got the sugar pill, the one that got the saline injection, if it's injectable, had about the same health outcomes as the ones getting the product, lo and behold, the product is safe. What we discovered is they never did that study for any of the childhood vaccines, meaning they have never established safety. And in most cases, these trials aren't five years. They're not five months. Usually they're somewhere around five or six weeks. The hepatitis B vaccine we give to a day one old baby was only in a trial for four days. No placebo group. So this is really the worst kind of science being done. And they're, they're, they're forcing it on the world. And so when we watch this COVID vaccine being made right before our eyes on my team, 
I knew how they were going to. I knew they were going to rush it on the market. I knew they weren't going to do proper trials. We were suing the whole time and showing the world on my show exactly how this fraud and this vaccine was going. We we said before the vaccine was ever given to a single person outside of trials, this vaccine cannot stop transmission. Not because we were psychic, because I knew where they were going to have to tell the truth in the emergency use authorization by the FDA themselves. They lied to us. And only a couple months ago, we just found out when uh, um, um, Smalley, what's her name? Janine Smalley, uh, an executive for Pfizer, was asked in front of the EU, did you test whether this could stop transmission before it came on the market? She said, no, we were moving at the speed of science. It was shocking to the world to hear that we were told we had to get this product to save and protect our neighbors And Pfizer never even bothered to see if the product could do that, which is the only purpose in the vaccine. Now, to get back to my point, when we think of, you know, a a drug versus a vaccine, this is something I want to get through to your audience. We all have companies, right? We all want to have a good marketing slogan. Think about this one. Now, let's look at COVID. COVID, let's say it kills, uh, as I said, 0.35% of the people that catch it. So a, a third of 1%. Now, would you rather make a drug that that 0.35% of people take to keep themselves from dying? Or would you rather make a product called a vaccine that you give to the other 99.07% that have to take it in order to protect that 0.3%. This is the greatest advertising scam in history, a product that everybody that's healthy has to take to protect those that are going to be at risk, because those at risk is a tiny group of people. And so vaccines is the, is the gold rush for pharma. If they can get away with this, they will start injecting all seven or eight billion of us with every new virus and bacteria that they can make a product for. And so you are looking at a gigantic pyramid scheme being foisted on the world. Yeah, you just reminded me of what our prime minister was saying a year or two ago when she was really pushing it and kept hammering 95%, 95%. Our target is 95%. It started to sound like more of a quota than a target, like a business quota. And was proved to be totally useless. Look at New Zealand. Look at Australia. You are the two, you're really the only nations that were able to give this vaccine a fair shot, right? The rest of us were already under attack. We had it running rampant through our streets long before the vaccine ever got here. So you could argue, well, the reason the vaccine failed was people were already infected. They were getting infected just days after getting their first shot. So it wasn't able to ramp up the immunity. But not Australia and not New Zealand. You guys literally were able to lock down your islands, you know, through authoritarian measures and make sure you got vaccinated before you really opened up your border to let the virus in. The moment you did it, you have skyrocketing death rates, skyrocketing COVID rates. This vaccine is the biggest turd that has ever been foisted on the world. The rates of death, Australia is climbing to the top of the list. I think you guys are close to it. So what value did this vaccine have? It had none. And we're not even talking about all of the side effects all of the blood clots, all of the, the myocarditis and swelling of the heart. We're, we're only now beginning to see what I think is going to be a cancer epidemic that we've never seen before. This vaccine, and if you wanted to get into that, I could tell you how technically it looks like it's going to cause cancer in so many people. But we're not yeah. even talking about that. We're just talking about the failure of its efficacy. Yeah, well, uh, 83% jump in uh, cardio cases in my area just in in the last six months. So, yeah, you're not wrong there. You mentioned speed, you know, the the time that, you know, the weeks when it should be decades to uh, research and test this stuff. The whole thing was really quick because I remember Operation Warp Speed that uh, was the the Trump sort of campaign at the time. Yeah, I thought he was supposed to be a genius. What, What do you think happened there with him? You know, um, I mean, I, I would say that Donald Trump looked to me like he was trying to please everybody. He funded vaccines for everyone that wanted vaccines at a level that's never been funded before. He raced them out to everybody. But remember, at the same exact time, he was also celebrating uh, hydroxychloroquine in a, in a really big way. 
and taking it himself. I mean, that's a great leader, right? A great leader that charges the bunker himself. This guy not only said, hey, until this vaccine gets here, I'm taking this drug because I've looked at the studies. I thought that that um, had some honor to it. And then, you know, he has said, even though he still celebrates the vaccine, that as, as a leader, he doesn't believe we should ever force this product on anybody. So you, he really just kind of covered all of his bases. If you're an anti-vaxxer, fine. You're, it's a free country. Do what you want. If you want to use some of the, the repurposed drugs that are out there, I think they're a good idea. I'm only, I'm even taking them myself. And I'm trying to rush this vaccine out to all of you that are not afraid of taking a totally untested product and, and rushing it into your children and yourselves. I mean, he made it available. But, you know, I am disheartened by how much he celebrates that vaccine and how blind he is to the amount of damage it is now doing um, to the populations of the world. And what a crappy product. What, I mean, what booster are you on? Five, six? I mean, and, and they're saying, oh, it's going to be a one once a year now. How's it going to be once a year? It's been five in the last year. So the first year I get five, and then I'm going to believe that I'm going to be down to one every year after that? Come on. Well, people were sold on, well, first one shot, then two. And now, you know, you've got to be up to date to right. uh, to to maintain your your status. The media has played a huge part in this, um, particularly where you are, but same here. In fact, this is the interesting yeah. thing. It's been sort of lockstepy, similar across the uh, what I would call the five eyes countries, and that is the our grouping because we were in that organization. There seems to have been very similar strategies, though scaled for the for the different markets, if you want to call it that. But the media has been the persuasive entity in all of this. And yeah. and that is a common denominator across our countries. What happened there? I know that Pfizer sponsors everything on cable news and all of that. There's that, but yep. it seemed that that everyone, all the, all the journalists, all the presenters, everyone who presented this information to the unsuspecting public, what were in on it, were told what to say, were believing it. You're a media guy. How do you explain that? I, I struggle. Well, yeah, I mean, look, I think there's a couple of things at play there. To begin with, you're right. You know, America, and my understanding is New Zealand, are two of the only countries in the world that allow direct-to-consumer marketing by Great. pharma. Okay? So that means every news anchor is actually working for pharma, not for the people or even the news agency. It's not that news agency that's paying their salary. Just watch the commercials because that's what's paying the news agency and therefore paying the salaries. And look, I've worked at CBS on Dr. Phil on the doctors. I can tell you that they let you know if you are dancing on a uh, story that perhaps hurts one of the sponsors, you're not going to do that twice if you plan on having a job. And so the news anchors are controlled that way. Now, that that excuses those that know the truth, but are maybe not sharing it because they're not allowed to. But you also I, I see this thing and I think it's much easier to understand this whole vaccine issue. If you look at it as a religious belief more than a science, because that's what it actually is. You know, we have all uh, across the world learned to really bow down to these white lab coats as though they have all of the understanding and we have none. You know, we may do a deep investigation and dive into whether we want to use uh, glass bottles for our newborn baby or stainless steel or plastic. Doesn't that have PPA? All those types of things. We're all learning to read labels on the food. And it doesn't matter what store we go into or what regulatory agency approved that food to be on the shelves. We now know that those government regulatory agencies are letting things into our food that are actually poisonous and toxic for us. Now, there's a lot of unhealthy people that are not aware of it. But if you're an open-minded, smart, intelligent person, you're starting to read the labels. But the one place we thought we were safe to just check out, turn our brain off, was the moment we handed our kid over to the doctor because surely they know exactly what's going on with these vaccines and they've looked at all the studies. Nothing could be further from the truth, actually. In that meeting that the WHO had in 2019, Heidi Larson said to the whole group of scientists, as we all know, the problem we have with vaccine hesitancy is the doctors that are in the field do not know how to answer the questions, these deeper questions that are coming in from the hesitant. Why don't they know how to answer it? She said, because as we all know, a doctor or a nurse rarely gets more than a half a day education on vaccines when they're in university. 
So this is it. That doctor we've been handing our kids to actually probably knows less than we do. And, and so, and, and anyone that wants to challenge me on that, I would say this, just here's a really easy little test. Next time you're going in for a vaccination with your child, just ask your pediatrician, say, I would like you, could you please tell me, recite for me all the ingredients that are in this vaccine that you're about to give my child? And I assure you, they won't be able to do it. They won't be able to tell you what the ingredients are. They'll say, oh, well, there's no reason for you to, it, it's safe, it's perfectly safe. So no, I didn't ask whether it was safe. I, I asked you what's in it. And then imagine when they can't do it, maybe they'll say, well, let me go get the insert and I'll grab it for you. And then ask yourself this, this is someone you've held on a pedestal like they're gods of knowledge. And there are only at the moment 16, maybe 17 vaccines they use in their clinic. And they can't recite the ingredients in, in the one that they're about to give you. Then leave that doctor's office, go to the closest restaurant you can find, grab the pimply faced waiter and tell that waiter, I have a food allergy. I want to know what's in this dish right here. And they'll be able to list every ingredient in it. And look at that menu. It's not 16 items. There's like 100 items there. And then ask yourself, you should keep putting these pediatricians on the pedestal. They are doing something they know absolutely nothing about. And that's what my investigations have been so shocking uh, to even me as I look into it, how little is known about this process. Pharma, sort of like a military body, just asks the doctors to charge a bunker and they're not allowed to ask why. They're just, you give this vaccine and if anybody asks you any questions, you threaten them, you make them feel stupid and tell them you're gonna kick them out of the practice. And if you happen to be you know, crazy enough as a doctor to ask, but why are they questioning this vaccine? Now your license is under review. This is how the entire systems work. Wow, it's brutal. So the persuasion, there's the media, but really the last line of defense is your doctor. And, Correct. And, and I guess out of everyone, unless you've got the family priest still visiting, that doctor is probably the most trusted outside or non-member of the family that, that you would ever encounter, right? I would say that doctor's trusted more than your priest. I would challenge most people in almost every religion, when your doctor tells you you have cancer, you are not really going to God and saying, hey, I need a miracle here. You are going to do everything that doctor tells you to do, uh, including, think about this, if, if you're a Christian and you say that you believe in the power of God, God in, the, in, you know, in, in Genesis says, I've created you in the image and likeness of, of myself, of God, right? You've been made perfect. You live in Eden. I always, I tell this to audiences. There's only one rule. Just never eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, lest you shall surely die. What does that mean? Never get so arrogant that you think you're smart enough to know what good and evil is, that you know how to count the hairs on someone's head. Or how about this, that you know what is going on with the millions and billions of bacteria and viruses that are in your stomach right now as we speak. Don't ever get so bold to think that you can try and stop up to 16 of those viruses and bacteria and not throw the rest of this dynamic dance and ballet that is going on in your intestinal system. You are nothing but a bag of viruses and bacteria held together by some spiritual brilliant, you know, experience. And so what do we do? Now we say, oh, yeah, I believe in, I have my faith, but my doctor's telling me my baby is not allowed to live in the Garden of Eden without getting 72 vaccines. That's insane. <laughs> you know, as, as the story goes, you know, Adam and Eve, you know, the, God says, I've given you everything. He walks away, comes back, you know, and you remember how the story goes and God comes back and Adam and Eve are standing there and they're wearing masks. And he's like, what are you doing? And they're like, well, you know, why are you, why are you breathing my air that, that, that I've given you? It's perfect. Well, we've been listening to CNN and MSNBC and Sky <laughs> News and, and, and all the doctors of the world. And they told us that we should be terrified to breathe the air. I just cha I challenge everyone listening right now to not say that I'm not telling you the truth. You bought this lie by your doctors over your understanding of God. Did God really forget about us? Didn't know COVID would exist? Is there, we, should we really be terrified of breathing the air? This is madness. And it is really representative of what the problem in the world is today. We have lost our connection to source. We've lost our connection to reality. We've lost our connection to the earth. We've lost our connection to God. And now these, these, um, 
you know, people obsessed with being gods, with thinking they have this power, are making all of our decisions for us. And we are being ravaged by that separation. Just um, want to mention there's something I picked up on today, and you may have seen this news or have been following it, that uh, uh, IBM are laying off a whole lot of people because AI is going to take over 8,000 oh, in their workforce. And there's been uh, a projection that up to 300 million people across Europe and the U.S., in well-paying jobs uh, could could be unemployed within a certain period of time because of AI. What do you do with all those spare people? Uh, I'm, I'm not trying to, you know, get too yeah. dark with this, but how can you afford to keep them in the system? You only have to look at the language being used by those that are investing in that system. The Bill Gates of the world saying we need to reduce the population in dramatic ways. You can see a lot of readings of these people discussing the useless eaters, right? This is a concept. I didn't make it up. This is no this is a conspiracy theory. This is the thinking that's going on. So, yes, where are we? And and and, and look at what we're talking about. If we truly were smarter than your average bear or smarter than a bear, let's say human beings have some instincts and a little bit greater or more profound intelligence than the other animals around them. Shouldn't we have said, you know what? Yeah, we could make this technology, but it's going to get us all killed. It's going to take away our need to survive. It's going to take away a reason to being. So why don't we all just keep doing the work and not have a bunch of computers take over for us? I mean, really, of, of, of things you were going to legislate, wouldn't that be where the government should have gotten involved and say, you know what? I love that a couple of geeks are really getting off on having a technology that's going to wipe out jobs for 300 million people, but go get a life. I'm going to focus on the, the greater body of lives in my nation. Our governments are not protecting us from this. And guess what? They're going to lose their jobs too. We're all going to be eaten alive by this. This will, If we allow it to go forward, this will be the last hurrah of our species. And you have horrifying statements being made by the Elon Musks of the world and you know, the, the, the top, you know, um, AI developer at Google just walked away and they're all saying the same thing. I am trying to pay a penance for what I've done. I have no appreciation for what was my life's work. I now realize I made the biggest mistake ever and we all need to be very afraid. It's, it, we, you know, this is, this is the opening to a movie and it's happening every day in our newspapers and yet, are we looking at a whistle while we work as, as these people put in technologies that, as Elon Musk says, I hope the AI intelligence finds us interesting. Otherwise, we're going to have the usefulness of a house cat and they may decide for us to no longer be here. It'd be like the scene out of Space Odyssey 2001 again. Yeah. How? Please, how? No, how? <laughs> Don't do it, how? Yes, exactly. Yeah, scary stuff. Um, and, you know, just hearing you talking about, you know, being disconnected from source then, and and I've been thinking, many have, and I think you touched on it kind of earlier, that science, and you can see this in the, in the, in the public as well, the uninformed public, the non-scientific public, there's kind of a, a religious reverence for the high priests and high priestesses of science who have been coming on the TV. There's certain characters here. I know you've got Fauci and guys over there, but but they seem to have taken on a, a sort of quasi-religious status. And is this, do you think, a shifting of, um, of traditional spirituality to a new form of sort of secular earthbound spirituality? Is there something in that? Yeah, I think human beings are prone to um, ideology and, and re religious re religiosity, if you will. I, I consider myself more of a spiritual person than a religious one. Um, I think religion is just the manipulation of mankind. I think having a spiritual connection is a different concept. Uh, but when you look at it, what the problem is, is science came along. The idea of science was to free us from our fear. Religion sort of had us in this place that God is almighty. I have no control over my world. And we were desperate and feeling really scared. Science came along and said, we're going to answer all of those things that you were told there were no answers to. And therefore, we'll be more well-placed and understood in our space. But now what's happening is science has become a religion itself. When you look at what happened with COVID, I'm not even sure they had consensus. There are so many. I mean, there's 
17,000 scientists and doctors that signed on to the Great Barrington Declaration coming out against the lockdowns, against the masking, against the rushed vaccination program. You had in America the leading heart doctor in the world, Dr. Peter McCullough, has published more articles on heart disease in the heart than any uh, heart doctor in history. He said, I have proof. I can see this vaccine is causing swelling in the heart. He was censored. He was shut down. No one listened to him. Yet Dr. Robert Malone, who is arguably one of the inventors of the mRNA technology, said, I got this thing. It made me sick as hell. And now I realize the mistake I'm making. I'm trying to stop it. He was censored by science. Now, science and the scientific method actually demands that the opposite happen. So in order for science to work, it is supposed to invite the dissenting voice, welcome it and say, thank you for the challenge. We will take on your challenge and show you why you're wrong. And if we can't show you why you're wrong, then the science is failed. And the hypothesis does not stand up. Then the product cannot move forward. And instead, what science has done is what religion has done, which is you're not allowed to question it. It is a faith-based religion. And if you, you know, you're a heretic, if you come out and, and express any problems with this rush product, and then these doctors and scientists started finding themselves losing their jobs at universities, losing their jobs in their hospitals. Why? Because Tony Fauci, the high priest or high priestess, if you will, of the of the you know vaccine program, priestess, has, yeah. <laughs> yeah, ten to forty billion dollars every year he spends giving to universities, giving to hospitals, not because he's altruistic in order to buy favor and also choose what type of science is allowed to be done in those institutions. So all these doctors that spoke up that had great knowledge were in the field, were saving you know, in, having incredible success with hydroxychloroquine, ivermectin, vitamin D, intravenous vitamin C, and we're doing better than all the doctors around them. They still lost their job because the funding coming from our government through Tony Fauci to those hospitals and those institutions. It is totally criminal. But what we can no longer do is say that this is, you know, it's really between science and Religion, no, it's all religion now. There's no such thing as science. Science is dead, and that's what I'm I'm working really hard to try and change. I I'm a fan of science. I want science back. This is not science. Well, okay. Um, at a personal level, you've been you know you've been involved in so many things that too numerous even to mention here because we'd be another hour probably. Yeah. But uh, to sort of distilling it down, you've a lot of incoming over a period of time, a long time, but particularly recently. How have you dealt with that? Um, you're still there. The high wire's still going. Yeah. And I guess that's the beauty of having your own platform. But uh, and even Tucker Carlson's taken a, a hit and been taken off, though. He'll probably reappear yeah. somewhere else. How have you dealt with that? Well, look, they tried to censor me early on. I built my, you know, my internet following was on Facebook and YouTube. YouTube. And, and right as COVID started, uh, as I said, I was telling the truth and, and they played right into our hand. We had so much knowledge of how the vaccine fraud had taken place in every other vaccine. So we, as I said, we knew exactly how this was going to happen. It put us in a very strong position. We were one of the first ones to start talking about gain of function, the, the reasoning why it looked like this Ferron cleavage site and insert showed that it was man-made, had to come from the lab. So we got kicked off of Facebook and YouTube. But luckily, I had had enough time building up that audience that I said, look, we're probably going to get censored eventually. I have a website, thehighwire.com. If we ever get taken down, you'll always find me there. And so that's what happened. And, you know, we we didn't have like people don't really know how you play videos on the Internet. But I do a live show every Thursday at one o'clock uh, central time in America and, you know, usually you use the player that YouTube supplies. You just sort of, you know, embed it into your website. Well, when they canceled us, we have gone through over the several years, a bunch of private vendors that don't have nearly the level or quality of product when it comes to these players. And so the thing that I've done is as we've won lawsuits and, and COVID really helped us grow our audience because so many people said, hey, you got to check out this show. This is the only guy that's making sense. 
here in America. And so we went from hundreds of thousands of followers to now between five and seven million people are hitting our website, you know, every week to watch the show. And it's growing. They're donating to our nonprofit. So we built our own player. We're starting to invest in servers. So more and more, we're trying to fortify our space because we know this isn't over. We know we're going to continue to be under attack. Censorship is real. Uh, Are we perfect? You know, we in, in many ways, the Internet is the Death Star, right? No matter what you do, you're still living on the Death Star. This is all tools built by IBM and, and Microsoft and, and Apple, but we're doing our best to make ourselves available. But I will say this to everyone out there. This is the reason why you've got to sign up, not just listen to, for instance, your radio show or my internet show, but it really helps, you know, sign up, give us your email. If you like what we're doing, you know, there's a really good chance they'll figure out how to censor us or shut us down. But it doesn't mean we disappear. We're going to run over to some other power station, some other, you know, uh, antenna and get it out. But if we can't get a hold of you and tell you where to find us, then they win. And so, you know, I I think what we got to start asking is those that are, you know, putting this information out, at least, you know, we're busting our butts. You're doing, you know, you did your best. I mean, I was difficult to get on this show. You've been working this for weeks. You know, I have a very busy schedule. The least anyone could do is sign up and give you their damn email so that you can keep to do the work that you're doing. And that's what we're asking our audience to do. And it is naturally shaking out now that people are sort of reassembling themselves into kind of parallel um, communities, I guess is one yes. word, but you know, the finding tribes, though indeed tribalism is not probably that desirable, but when it's forced on you, what can you do? I think the beautiful thing about COVID is it, it has reminded us how important community is, how important communication is. And I think if we really want to avoid the traps that lay ahead for us, it's really simple. We just got to start talking. They've gotten away with making it politically incorrect that, oh, don't talk about religion at the dinner table. Don't talk about politics at the at the dinner table. You know, don't don't talk about the vaccine. And so by not talking, they have allowed us to believe that we're all alone. They've 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 isolated us by ourselves. And what COVID did in many ways, I saw the marches in New Zealand that were amazing that were taking place all around the world. The internet, this is why they had to shut the internet down, is we realized, wait a minute, I'm not even sure I'm a minority here. I'm finding so many people that think like I do. Well, we shouldn't have needed the internet. We shouldn't have gotten this point. It's time that we learn how to have civil discourse and start putting the issues of our world on the table at dinner, at family gatherings, at gatherings with our friends. It's interesting. Stop attacking each other. But if we can't get back to communicating, they're going to get away with dividing all of us so that we're islands and essentially we are going to be in jail cells. We are going to have cell phones that track every single thing we do. We ha- Our banking system will be a centralized digital currency that will decide what I get to spend my money on. Oh, you know what? You don't get a steak this week because you use too many carbon credits. Have some asparagus, go home. You know, th- we are right there. And the only way we're going to stop it is we have got to start talking about it. Don't let them get away with silencing us any longer. Yeah, very good points. Okay, to kind of wind up, earlier on you mentioned, you know, people in jail. So this is, again, what's on the mind of a lot of people, accountability. Who pays for what's done here? Who? Where's the justice? So a couple of questions. With everything you know, how long has this got to roll? And do you think there's any chance of justice and meaningful justice, like jail time? You know, a lot of people have, people have died. Yeah, people have died. I mean, I, I believe that in the United States of America, I would argue that at least a half a million people were murdered by Tony Fauci and the those that were in. Well, in you got to swing for that normally. Agencies. You, get- you know, uh, yeah, absolutely. And I think they should. I mean, look, we had the Nuremberg trials after the Nazi Germany, you know, ran experiments on their people. Uh, in this case, there's two things. You ran an experimental product on us, which is failing, never did what we were promised it would do. And it's also hurting us. And on top of that, I think the biggest case you have was the denial of access to hydroxychloroquine and ivermectin yeah. and life 
saving drugs. This is a lot like when we referenced the Tuskegee experiment in America. There's an experiment where they let African-American men get syphilis, never gave them penicillin, even though it was available, could have cured them right away. Instead, it just watched and studied them. Those are crimes against humanity. That's what was done here. The drugs that worked were denied. We were denied access to them. The ones that didn't work, the remdesivirs and the Paxlovid, and of course, this disastrous vaccine were forced on us. So for all of these reasons, I believe there will be trials, but it's going to come down to some, you know, we, we, we have a really brilliant thing happening here in America. We have, I think, the only guy in the world that could really write this ship in Robert Kennedy Jr. of the Kennedy family is running for president. Yeah, well, this is it. a man... This is a man who has been suing the regulatory agencies for exactly these types of crimes, for for covering for uh, corporate entities that are poisoning the people. He has won, you know, hundreds of lawsuits over the 40 years he's been a lawyer. And now he wants to get in and be president of the United States, where he will be the one person that will know how to put a trial on for all of those regulatory agents that did the bidding for the pharmaceutical industry and not for the citizens of this country. So I'm a huge fan of that idea. And people will say, well, it's a long shot. It's all a long shot. All of history is built on long shots. There's not a single page. And this is what I want to remind people. There's not a single page in our history books in any country that said, well, the we outnumbered them and the battle lasted 15 minutes. It was really easy peasy. No one reads that in a history book. Every history page is filled with the stories of brave men and women that were standing up against insurmountable odds, looked like they could never win, but something beautiful happens. A power and an integrity and a dedication to truth over self-preservation you know, kicks in, and that's what has to happen now. Or it'll just be the last page of the history book said they won, and now we're all imprisoned by uh, the lunatics. It's been great chatting with you, Dill. Thank you. Uh, worth the um, effort to get you, for sure. Um, thank you for your time. It's interesting, the timing with, with Kennedy, isn't it? I mean, just, just right at that time, someone with that background, suddenly, there he is. Makes you think. Yeah. Well, he's like us, right? He realizes, I don't think this guy wants this job. I think that he realizes he has no choice, that the world, I've watched him say it many times, it's so powerful, because obviously, as the history of the you know, assassinations in his family. And they always ask him, aren't you afraid of dying? And he says, I'm afraid of something much worse than dying. I'm afraid of leaving my country to my kids with no constitution left. I'm, I'm afraid of the death of the constitution. That's why he's running. That's why I do what I do. Uh, we have got to fight for the people and the people have got to fight for themselves. This is our time. I, I know we can win this. If we stand up, we outnumber them, period. Today, right now, we, we outnumber all the morons. Uh, we outnumber them, but we, we've got to be honest. We've got to speak to each other, and we've got to say we're doing this. Dell Bigtree, thank you so much. Great talking with you. All the best for your efforts, and I'll keep a, an eye on you on the high wire, and I'm sure many of our listeners will find their way um, to your site if they didn't know about it already, which they probably did. Uh, again, thanks for your time, and, and uh, we'll keep an eye on things, and maybe we'll chat again sometime. I look forward to it. Take care. RCR with Paul Brennan. Reality Check Radio.